1: fans, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And me and One Silva are here to talk about three more of the greatest matches in the universe. And I am joined, as always, by One Silva. What's up, man?
0: Hey, happy Valentine's Day, Logan. Happy Valentine's Day, wrestling fans, as we talk about three of the greatest matches of all time with some of the greatest workers of all time.
1: Man, we should have talked about the Valentine... uh, Hyper match today, anyway. But uh, <laughs> well, we we covered that on the we very
0: th- on the very first episode. We covered that. Match. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, yes, uh, let's run down these matches,
0: man. Go ahead. All right, from September first, nineteen eighty six, in the NWA Florida territory, the Nature Boy Ric Flair defends his NWA World Championship against the Rookie of the Year for nineteen eighty six. And the and the southern heavyweight champion at the time, the total package Lex Luger. Then we go to December twenty eighth, nineteen ninety, World Wrestling Federation, Madison Square Garden, a match that I attended. Mr. Perfect defending the Intercontinental Championship against Rowdy Roddy Piper, and in the finale, a match that occurred just uh, six weeks ago. From the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom Number Nine, January Fourth, Two Thousand Fifteen, the greatest worker of the last twenty years, my man Hiroshi Tanahashi, defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Kasuchika Okada.
1: Yes, yes, with uh, the, the legendary Jim Ross commentating
0: that match. So, let me great. tell you something. Ross and Stryker make a great team. They do. Now, I don't I don't watch the current product, but it's my understanding, Dave Meltzer said that they had never announced together before. Wow, fucking The kid misses the boat on everything, stupid motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, they they would have been a good team for Ross,
1: for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, to this 86 match, because... Uh, I remember Lex Luger, uh, you know, coming out of those After magazines. I'd see his uh, him flexing there, and they they loved him on those magazines, and
0: they basically made him a star. Let me tell you something: Lex Luger owes Bill After probably five six million dollars because his rookie year in 198 from November of 1985 till he signed with Crockett in January '87, the After mags. Kept featuring him as the next Hulk Hogan, the, the next big thing, the next big superstar. He was the highlight of a dying Florida promotion, and so after put him on all the ma- covers, all the mags, which Crockett and Dusty kept seeing these these, these covers and was like, "We got to get this guy. He's the next Hulk Hogan," resulting in a huge contract for uh, for for uh, Lex Luger when he entered the NWA and Jim Crockett in February of eighty
1: seven. Yeah, he, he definitely uh I I think they probably thought that
0: McMahon would snatch him up, you know. Um uh, because he probably would have. But uh Oh, McMahon because, always wanted Luger. I mean uh I'm surprised McMahon didn't snatch him up right away. Yeah, I, I think uh he was pretty green and uh
1: they they figured they could work with him And they did get some good shit out of him, for sure, like, uh, in the early going. And and even in the later parts. I mean, I think he was a solid.
0: Hey, going into this match, Luger had only been wrestling 10 months. He started wrestling in November of 85, won the title two weeks after starting his professional debut by beating Wahoo McDaniel, the Southern title, which he won several times going into this match against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. At the third battle of the belts, and while the promotion was dying, the Florida promotion was dying. This show, highlighted by the main event, Luca Flair, drew nine thousand people, which was a shocking number for Florida at the time because they were doing one to two thousand when they were lucky. Interesting, and
1: and and uh, Rick Flair um, had been champion for how long here? This is his
0: fourth title reign in five years. Okay, so. He first won in, uh, 81? In September of 81, so basically this is the fifth year anniversary of his first title reign.
1: Yeah,
0: and his, um, his, uh, his reign in this instance, uh, who did he win it off of? Uh, July 24th of this year, 1986, against Dusty Rhodes. So he was only champion, uh, a scant month and a half, no, a, a, a five weeks going into this match.
1: Yeah, and this is a perfect setup for Flair because he always makes these big guys look good. He did it with Nikita. He did it with Road Warrior Hawk. He did it with Hulk Hogan. So this is a perfect setup for him. He looks like, the, you know, that he's going to get killed, and he largely does
0: through lots of the match, but uh, he winds away Once again, Logan proving that not every Ric Flair match is the same match. This match looks nothing like the match we talked about on the last show, his legendary match against Barry Wyndham at Battle of the Belts number two. I think we can comfortably put that bullshit to rest. It is bu- it's total bullshit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, because if anybody... I would say that out of the two, uh, Bret Hart had more of a stylized match. But than Bret Ric Flair. Hart's
0: not the only one who said that. Ole Anderson says a lot of guys who hate Ric Flair say that bullshit. Yeah, well, that was that we're talking about Bret Hart though, who, who actually uh, wrote that, right? Yeah, but there's been other guys that mentioned it. Ole Anderson, uh, yeah, uh, Mick Foley, a lot of guys have said that, and I think it's more out of hatred than an actual fact. I mean, Bret Hart hated Ric Flair, and Ole Anderson hates Ric Flair more than anybody. Well, it's funny because, like I said,
1: uh, I I felt like Bret Hart had a more, like, his matches were way more consistent than Flair's, you know, like in terms of what you'd see. So,
0: Flair, you know. While Bret Hart could look the same in many matches, when he wrestled guys like Shawn Michaels in that classic match against Oh, yeah. It's not the same shit. No, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's
1: versatile, too. Yeah, I know that. But I'm just saying,
0: like, and he used to have his, his
1: own set of shit. Everybody, every wrestler has their own set of shit.
0: Everybody has their set shit, but not every match is the same. Right, That's right.
1: Shit. It can't be because it, cause it's according to the person.
0: Right. Okay. Now, now, Hulk
1: Hogan, he, every match for him was the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but even he um, uh, would get some good matches when he got out there with a good worker like uh, Randy Savage or, or Ric Flair yeah. or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So, so for, for The Rock.
1: For but, The Rock. Yeah, let's go to this match. Go ahead, big man. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So he gets in there. uh, He's he's instantly, you know, um, just overwhelmed by the power of Luger, who comes in looking like a fucking shit house. I mean, he's huge. Let me me tell you something.
0: At this point in time, probably the greatest physique in the history of the sport. Yeah, he was. Because he was huge. He's not overly muscular. I mean, he's muscular, but he's not like fucking like how Tony Atlas was, where he's fucking um, all roided up that he looks like a monster. No, this guy has the perfect, perfect physique and powerful legs. Lex Luger from top to bottom. Just probably the greatest body in history of professional wrestling at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, he was
1: uh, – he definitely had – I mean, him and Ultimate Warrior probably kind of like –
0: well, I don't know if Warrior had the legs. Luger had Luke. You know how a lot of guys like Rick Rude, like yes. Tony Atlas, Hulk Hogan, even had very skinny legs.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, he was a, definitely a well-proportioned uh, guy. And you know, uh, proportioned from head to toe, six foot five and two hundred and seventy-five pounds of solid muscle, not overly muscular, but perfectly built. If you would have built a fucking uh, a prototype of a of a of, of a, a wharf machine, a, a, a fighter, this would be the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, and, and you could see why people would call him the new Hulk Hogan because that's kind of how Hulk Hogan looked back in the day. Uh, he was real big.
0: But before and, Hulk
1: became bloated. Yeah. Yeah, became before he became Elvis. Uh, he, uh, he, he, and got all fat. He was, he was definitely a cut, like, you know, motherfucker. I just remember looking at those old, 1980 whatever yeah, yeah. WWF well,
0: you, know, you know who else is comparable is Kerry Von Erich before he lost his leg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: So we got uh this this match. Now, this match basically like it starts off with uh Rick Flair like, just getting dazzled by uh Luger's power. He doesn't, Luger does not even sell the chops. Uh he just kind of uh walks Flair down and everything he tries to do, slams him down, throws him, press slams him. I mean, it's just like a, uh, a a power display. I think he press slams him like two
0: times in the beginning. Yeah, but, but then Flair turns it around by going to Lucas leg, by, you know, cutting right. him off at the leg. Yes. He wins the first fall. and It is rare. Usually Flair never wins with the figure four. He wins with the figure four the first fall. He, he does by, by – now, does he do it
1: by um by uh, submission or is it by a pin? Because I couldn't
0: tell. Say it again? Was it by submission or by pin? Oh, he holds the ropes, right? And and forget, let's not forget, Gordon Soley was phenomenal in this match. The legendary Gordon Soley. He's like, mm, and all uh, Ric Flair's got him in a figure four. And he's using the ropes for leverage. And Luger gets pinned, one, two, three. Luger had to get pinned because if he didn't get pinned, he could have been carried out on a stretcher.
1: Yeah, I mean, because he said he got pinned, but then he said if he didn't give up, he would be carried out on a stretcher. So I was wondering which one happened, but but I think his his uh his announcing was
0: you know basically he's the Howard Cosell of wrestling at that time. Goinsoli for... just but yes, he is the Howard Cosell of wrestling, and if you know Logan, and we'll be talking about this later on, Jim Ross's style, you could tell he grew up listening to Goinsoli and and yes, and I forgot. In the 1970s, Jim Ross was a ring announcer in Florida while Gordon Solie was was the lead announcer. So Ross, Solie was a mentor to Jim Ross.
1: And yeah, you can hear it. You can definitely hear it in a cadence and everything. It's just basically
0: Gordon Solie with a southern accent. Um so but what, what, what Gordon Soley was the first to talk about uh, the guy's college. Remember, he go oh, guy's college, a profession, professional background. Lex Luger, five years, member of the Green Bay Packers, and University of Miami. You know, Gordon Soley got that off of – I mean, Jim Ross got that off of Gordon Soley. Yep. So, so the, the, uh,
1: Ric Flair wins the first fall, and he has kind of the advantage because uh, cause, uh, Luger's leg, he's selling his leg that's real hurt. Um, and he, he's, he's, he's getting a lot of offense and finally he tries to go to bash Luger's head into the turnbuckle, and Luger blocks it and bashes his head in. And that's where he gets him up with a, uh, a big old fucking, uh, power slam and, and his own pin, uh, after he makes a pretty good comeback. Um, and then, you know, we, we
0: get some great action. What I, love, where, what I love about the second fall is Luger comes out of nowhere with a lightning power slam. One, two, three, middle of the ring. And evens up the fall. I love it. You see, the first fall, Flair systematically broke down Luger's leg. Second fall, it shows the explosiveness of Lex Luger. You see, Ric Flair tells a story in his match. So now we have it even one-to-one. And then the third fall is just back and forth, 20 minutes of nonstop action. Got to give Luger credit. This was the first time he ever went this deep in a match, and he was he did not look tired. Remember, this is a three-four match. They went 20 minutes straight. Flair gets hit in the in the post and he blades and you see him blade. I mean, you see him blatantly blading up against the up against the uh, apron. Yes,
1: he did. Yeah, well,
0: he does it pretty good. I mean, you well, know, if you if you just face. Pay... But anybody you could you could see that the motherfucker's cutting
1: is what. Is... Oh yeah, and he still had the razor in his hand for a while until he got back in the ring. So he must have dropped it right before he got in because I saw him clenching his fist for a while. But yeah, he was. He cut himself silly, blood bleeding like a stuck pig, and uh, and and it looks like you know this is it, man. You know this is a, this is a classic Flair shit. Like he's gonna get he's gonna get beat. This is the night, and uh, it, it unfortunately it doesn't happen. But the what happens in back and forth between them, man. It, Luger looks on looks like he's on Flair's level, and that's the power of
0: Flair. the power of a great. Legend, the greatest worker in the history of American wrestling, Nature Boy Ric Flair, who always makes his opponent look better. Yeah, and, and he, I mean it's just like, you know, unfortunately because I don't want to hear Shawn Michaels, I don't want to hear Triple H, I don't want to hear Daniel Bryan, I don't want to hear that bullshit. Chris no, Triple H, Triple H does the opposite. Triple H tries to make his opponents look like shit. I'm just talking about what all these guys talk about, all the, the greatest workers of all time. Fuck those motherfuckers. This is the greatest worker of all time. Makes you look Makes all everybody look better than they are. I mean, the motherfucker made uh Eligante.
1: Yeah, he did a match with Eligante, man. It was pretty good. And, and, and it was funny, too, is that what he did, what he did by doing that, was sometimes elevate people beyond what they really should be. So people start looking at these people like main eventers because they hung in there with Flair, but then they fizzle when they put them, the, the belt on them. You know, like that happened to Luger, that happened to Sting, uh, to some extent. You know, so it's it, it, like it's misleading. It mislead,ed I'm sure, the promotion
0: but, in many but, ways. But Sting was an excellent worker. That's not the thing. It was Sting wasn't the type of guy. To make everybody look good. Sting would only look good with guys like Muda, Flair, Fader, right. other good workers. Right. Uh, Sting, while Flair would make average guys look, look look even better. Now, Luger was better than average. I hate the fact that they've knocked Luger throughout his career. Luger's had some great matches. Matter of fact, in the next show, the next wrestler show we'll do, uh, we will do a match, a two out of three fall from Halloween Havoc 1991 Lex Luger defending the WCW Championship against Ron Simmons, and you see the po- you just see how excellent of a work Lex Luger can be when motivated. Oh yeah, Lex Luger, I was definitely
1: underrated, and I think he does belong in the Observer Hall of Fame as well as with Sting. Um, as at, at, at least on the ballot.
0: He's not even on the ballot.
1: Yeah, it, it makes no sense. I mean, he's a major player in both promotions for a long time, and and you know just to and, say that. Logan, he drew money. Come on. Let's stop the BS. He right. drew money. He did. He didn't
0: draw Hogan money, didn't draw Austin money, but he no, drew money. Who does? We're talking – there's only three guys you could talk about in the last 20 years that drew that type of money. All right? Yeah. Fuck Austin and Hogan. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so he's he's there, you know – um,
1: He's a broken man today, and uh, but uh, man, did he! But but he's
0: spiritually, he's at peace. I gotta give him credit. Anyway, this match ends with Luger having Flair in the in the in the bear hug. The bell rings, and Flair, bloodied and battered, holds on to the title. And even though Luger doesn't win the title, he looks better in the eyes of of, of, of in the territory. And less than six months later, signs a huge with Crockett.
1: Yeah, and you know that they, they probably thought they were gonna have the next Hulk Hogan and uh and, and beat the WWF with this shit because he was just he was the total package if you looked at him.
0: So so he's definitely got that. So he so let's get on to the next one. Okay, we go I, I attended this match, Mr Perfect versus uh Roddy Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper, December twenty eighth, nineteen ninety. And
1: this is just a brawl,
0: <laughs> and perfect with his bumps. I mean, he just bumps like a madman in this match. Yeah, it's great
1: because it's like the guy who thinks he's perfect against the guy who doesn't give a fuck, and it's perfect. Like it, it's it's that it's that perfect rivalry of like you know finesse versus just sheer craziness. And, and uh, you know, you got the eye pokes in there. You have him breaking all the rules, using chairs. Was it was it no DQ? No,
0: no, or, no, no, no. It wasn't no DQ. Uh, actually, Lord Alfred Hayes made a good point when Heading used the chair and Gorilla's like, come on, referee, use the chair. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is like, well, the referee is going to allow this to continue because Piper was breaking the rules early in the match, Gino.
1: Yes, he was. And so it was um, – it was definitely a, um, a kind of a Piper showing that he can box a little bit in in, in one part of it. I thought he had geez, he well, some good you punches. Well, you have to
0: remember Logan as a youth, Roddy Piper. So. He was a boxer, yeah. And and he before he became a wrestler, he was an amateur boxer. So Piper, that's why that's why um, he wanted to really fuck up Mr. T because in that in that in that in that bullshit boxing match they had. You could tell Piper had skills while T couldn't couldn't fucking get out of his own way.
1: Yeah, well, he was stiff in T, too. That's the thing. Like, I, Piper was a
0: little bit of an asshole when it came to that. Well, uh, he, you know, he hated Mr. T. He, he always felt that Mr. T was privileged. You know,
1: it's like, right. But, I mean, it's like it's Mr. T. He's an actor, man. It's like, what do you want from the guy, you know? But uh, he's not a wrestler, you know? But, um but anyway, so Piper uh, and and Perfect, I mean, just back and forth, man. Like, I, I you know, this this is just it's it's hard to go out how this match unfolds. You know, it's basically just a fucking brawl. First is has the upper hand, and then uh, Perfect is uh, fucking laying it into him, and uh, then it just kind of runs out of time. Or like, you know, they they run out of the they 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 get
0: Mister Perfect gets counted out. Yeah, I I like how it was done. They're fighting outside the ring. Then uh, Mr. Perfect goes up to the top rope. Uh, Piper crotches him, and then uh, Perfect falls over the top rope, gets counted out. Piper wins by count out. I I mean, you know, between 1989 and 1992, Piper had had his work issues on had some tremendous matches with Rick Rude, with Mr. Perfect, with Ted DiBiase, and... With Red Hart, that WrestleMania match that we'll be talking later on th- this year, that was a great match, face versus face. Oh he was easily the
1: the, the, the top face after Hogan uh, at that time. Yes, he was. He was the number
0: two face after Hogan.
1: And and, and the funny thing is, is like he also was like a awesome heel. And I I always thought he was a better heel than a face,
0: but like, like Muhammad Ali, a better heel than a face. <laughs> but he was a great babyface when he finally when he turned on like Adrian Adonis and you want to see and you know anybody that has access to YouTube type in Roddy Piper Mid Atlantic 1983 1983 Roddy Piper was all, one of the greatest babyfaces of all time because he was his brawling self he did great promos. He was a phenomenal babyface in 1983. That was the peak of Piper in his feud with Greg Valentine. What a great, one of the greatest babyfaces of all time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: uh, now he, he also had some matches with Flair right before
1: he went to uh, WWE. You
0: know what, Logan? damn, you just mentioned another. He had great matches from 89 to 92. And I forgot to throw Flair in with. Rude. Perfect. K-B-I-C, Flair, and Bret Hart.
1: Yeah, man, it was just, and they were they were crazy matches, each one of them. So, yeah, he, he was like the fucking original hardcore wrestler for sure. Um, you know, he would have been right at home at ECW, you know. And uh, I don't know if he ever made an
0: appearance on that uh, promotion, I mean, did he? If they had a Roddy Piper, ECW would still be in business, because he would have, <laughs> oh, my God, they they had yeah. nobody with that type of ability. And his
1: promo is
0: just out of this world. I mean, it's up there with Flair. Oh, know, no. For sure. Piper, Piper's up there with Michael Hayes, Dusty Rhodes, Rick Flair, The Rock, Stone Cold. He's up there when it comes to greatest promos of all time. Absolutely. So, um, uh, Mr. Perfect, uh,
1: he would go on to win. I mean, uh, Roddy Piper would go on to win the uh, Intercontinental Championship yeah, and, from Bret Hart, right?
0: Oh, no. He beat the Mountie. That's right. And he dropped it to Bret Hart. And he dropped it to Bret Hart. Yeah, in a great match, a match that we'll be talking about down the line. Um, WrestleMania seven, I believe. Oh WrestleMania eight. WrestleMania eight WrestleMania eight, nineteen ninety two. That was a oh, great, great match. Face versus face. Great match. And I love the back the back the the, the uh the backstory because Roddy Piper's one of his first traders was Stu Hart and he always considered Red Hart and the Hart family cousins of him because Stuart was like a father to him. Yeah. Well, it's um,
1: it shows, man. He's he's a great worker, and uh, he was he'll, he'll you know Mister Perfect is an icon for sure, and in, in, I mean in so many
0: ways, he was a great promo as well. And and, and one of the greatest workers of his era. I mean, he just tussed. no one could up like Mister Perfect. So let's talk about this final match, man. Oh, my God. We could talk about this match for for, for days. I mean, I mean, Tanahashi. I mean, God damn. Talk about an incredible fucking match. Okada Tanahashi, the seventh time they've met, and all seven matches have been super spectacular. Now, I want to pull a plug. Do you want to see classic wrestling? You want to pay nine dollars a month? Actually, it's eight fifty in American dollars a month. Fuck the WWE Network. New Japan World has every single classic New Japan match of all time on their website, and you—all of Taniha, Tanahashi's greatest matches—and you just see, wow, what, what a, this guy may be the greatest worker of all time. Forget. Japanese. Oh, just phenomenal. And I believe all seven matches are on that website. I ordered it last month. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds like a good deal, man. I think I'm going to have to get that.
0: Eight fifty a month, right? Only, I mean, and you could do a Google translation to English to help you uh, sign up. And then once you're on there, you got Stan Hansen, Andre the Giant, Dynamite Kid, Tiger Mask, Tanahashi Okada, all their great matches. Their library blows away the WWE's library. Even though the WWE has a bigger library, they just don't fucking utilize
1: it. And and they and it's a lot more quality in this one. It's over well, quantity.
0: It has, has all their shit on this uh, on this on this website. Cool man. All right. Well, so let's get into this
1: match, man. They 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 come in to great entrances. You got JR announcing, telling you about them. And they they uh, they start grappling. Um, they're you know just get, jockeying for position. They kind of like for, for a, a good portion of the beginning, they're they're not really like uh, getting it's anything on each other. It's scientific
0: at yet. the beginning. It's sort of like Flair Steamboat where they're feeling each other out.
1: Yeah. So at one point, Tanahashi goes up to the uh, turnbuckle and gets kicked off.
0: Oh! Or that's...
1: or Euro or Euro uppercut. I wanna, I
0: wanna, I wanna bring something up, and Jr. brought up something that I brought up months ago when we first started talking about Tanahashi's matches on this show. He talked about how Tanahashi's a video hound and how he's he studied all the great workers of the past. Didn't I say that shit on this show? Go ahead, Jim Ross.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and he's he you can tell he's an amalgam of all of them, and so he comes he gets out on the floor, and they uh, he gets he gets uh hit over the guardrail, like kicked over the guardrail, and then gets the hangman d d t onto the floor man randy orton style uh from from okada uh then they they go to the ramp and uh there he i think he goes for a tombst- uh okada goes for a tombstone it gets blocked and then um uh, some something happens and then uh basically uh Tanahashi runs at uh, Okada and he gets fucking
0: AA'd right on the ramp, man. That's oh, oh, yes, I love the ramp action. Yeah. Oh. And Jim Rawls and Stryker make a good point. Like, oh, but gotta get him in the ring. You can't win the match out there.
1: <laughs> well, Tanahashi, he's the champ, so they can get counted out, but he doesn't want to win like that, obviously. Oh,
0: but no, but they were supposed to talk about Okada. Okada's got to right. get.
1: That's right. Okay, I got to get him in there. But they have 20 there, so it's, it's all right. So they, they get him back in, and uh, they, they – now, the, the rest of this match, I mean, it's so back and forth, it's hard to even talk oh, about. I mean, hey,
0: hey, and hey. what I love, Jim Ross sets the table up. How the fuck – Jim Ross is greatest wrestling announcer of all time. He kept mentioning, are we going to see the greatest dropkick in the history of professional wrestling? Ladies And we did. You – we, you, you cannot believe his drop kick, and when Okada delivers, goddamn, he makes Ross look like a cheek. <laughs> yeah, first he does that Daniel Bryan drop
1: kick, awesome, and then he does the, you know that double double foot drop kick, and then he
0: does the crazy one from like standing position. Well, the only position. drop kick on that level was Brad Armstrong. If you ever see Brad Armstrong's drop kick, that's the closest you'll ever see to Okada's drop kick. Yeah, and 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 you know it's it's a. Uh, it's
1: just stand, he just stands there and throws it it's amazing he so doesn't, uh,
0: he just bam
1: yeah he's got such elevation on that shit uh so so th- you know th- they uh, they go back and forth i mean all kinds of crazy stuff i mean you see this one move where okada gets uh Tanahashi in like a shoulder breaker or it's, something
0: it's the rainmaker
1: well, no, no. The rainmaker, I know that one. It's like a clothesline, right? It's like the Jake the Snake clothesline yeah, it's like kind. Oh, real
0: quick. Oh, yeah. A uh, whip-like clothesline. Yeah, but what, what move you talking about? I saw him like basically drop uh, Tanahashi's shoulder on his oh. knee. Oh, sort of like, sort of like a fucked-up pile driver, but more like a shoulder breaker. Yeah,
1: it was like right on his knee, and he was, he was just so. And all these guys' moves are so crisp and so like well done. And you see Tanahashi jump from the fucking top of the turnbuckle
0: outside oh, over
1: the rail, three four
0: to the cut. Wow! And you saw Jim Ross. Jim Rose was like, "Can you? Be, I can't believe this! Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> yeah. And so it takes a lot to finally put uh, Mr. Okada away. Let
0: me tell you something. Jim Ross had a ball announcing this match. And on the next episode of Greatest Matches of All Time, we'll be doing the match before this, Nakamura versus Ichi, in which Jim Ross was phenomenal, and which many consider even better match than this, if you could believe.
1: Yeah, I heard that was probably the best on the show. So I'm looking forward to that one.
0: Followed each other. I, I, imagine being a fan at ringside Watching this shit God dang.
1: And people should know that AJ now is the title holder He beat Tanahashi So
0: I, I gotta I gotta watch that match on New Japan World And see how good it was But AJ Styles is gonna be back on the Hall of Fame Ballad this year And he and he, um, I think he finished runner-up To Nakamura last year for Wrestle of the Year So AJ Styles Making that money in New Japan But anyway, back to this match the finale of the match, Tanahashi lands one Superfly Splash after another. And he does it at fucking difficult angles.
1: Right. He turns in the air.
0: All and, the other guys I saw doing that was Jimmy Stucker. Yep. So he's, he's got that guy in him, just like he has Ric Flair and Ashawn Michaels. Like I've said many times, and Jim Ross supported that today yeah. and, uh, during that match, Tanahashi... Is a hybrid of Jimmy Snuka, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and Bret Hart.
1: Yeah, and and, and it's
0: just uh, the yeah excellence of
1: execution, and, and and he also you know puts over his opponents, makes them all look great, and uh, he definitely now Okada's no slouch either. Okada is a fucking great oh, fucking oh, prospect. Oh,
0: Okada, he's not as good as Tanahashi, but he's no. on his level. Yeah, man, he hung with him and. Uh, he will be the future of New Japan, there's oh, no question about it. Oh, and I love another great comparison Jim Ross did, because I think uh, Okada's only 26, 27 years old. He goes, not since a young Terry Gordy as a young guy. Right. like I was like, wow, this Jim Ross is just throwing all these shits out of his ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did a great job, man.
0: But he anyway. Buy me, me was- a steamboat. Briscoe versus Briscoe versus uh, uh, a funk. I was like, look at
1: this.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well,
1: the rivalries. He was talking about the oh, different rivalries.
0: How many times have we talked about in this match? I'll be on this show. Tanahashi Okada is on the Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk, Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, and Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid, and Kobashi Masawa and Masawa Kawada-type rivalry. Legendary on that type of level.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: But listen, man, we're about to get off the air. Even brought up Rock Austin.
1: Oh, definitely Rock Austin too, man. But we're we're about to they're about to cut us off here. So I just want to say thanks for listening, and we'll be back with three more matches, man, including uh the uh, Ishi uh, what's the other guy
0: Ishi Nakamura, Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, and another flare match. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.